Welcome to Learn Videography, a podcast dedicated to mastering the art and business of becoming a full-time videographer. Presented by Industry Jump. Hosted by director Kyle Loftus and producer JJ England. Let's go. What's up, fam? Welcome back to Learn Videography, your podcast to learn everything you need to know about becoming a full-time videographer. I'm JJ from Industry Jump, and as always, I'm here with my co-host Kyle Loftus and our special guest for today, Josiah Moore, a content creator in Rochester, New York. What's up, gentlemen? Let's go. How are we doing? <laughs> Hello. Doing awesome. Thanks for having me here. So excited to have you here. For this week, we talked about our favorite resources for videographers to build their businesses, to help them expedite their growth. And uh, Josiah is an incredible director, DP, editor, content creator in Rochester, New York. He's built a flourishing video business. And today he's going to walk us through how he made that happen, the resources that he uses, tips that he would suggest to build your video business with, and so much more. It's, of course, going to be another huge episode. So without further ado, let's just dive into it and get started with Josiah talking about how you got started as a content creator, as a director, uh, and what that story is for you. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's kind of a funny story for me because, I mean, this is something that I always wanted to do um, pretty much right away, early on. Um, And so my father got me a camera when I was about 12 um, came, came, was done with school and he, a box came from, you know, from eBay and opened it up. He's like, Hey, this is for you. Open it up. There's a camera in there. And so pretty much right away, just jumped in with my friends shooting music videos, short films, just absolutely nonstop. So, um, one of the benefits I had growing up is I was actually, um, homeschooled. So when I would get my work done early on, it left the rest of the day for me to just go out and like crush video stuff. So I was always filming, um, was that like DV cam at the, at oh my gosh days? yes it was absolutely DV cam <laughs> which was hilarious because I only had like one or two of them and so I would constantly just like record stuff and then record over the tape so like I yep. have no like saved masters of all my stuff I have like two DV tapes that collectively have like this whole history of me growing up same <laughs> I know it's so tragic you know but but that was kind of the fun for me, you know, and at the time, like I didn't even have an editor, like no editing machine. So I would take the camera out, I would record. You had to make that perfect cut. You had to make that perfect cut first time. And if you mess it up, you have to wow. rewind the playhead back, you know, and like record oh. over it again. I was very dedicated, dude. Like I would sit there just like back and forth. Um, and then like a few years after that, it was honestly like a couple of years doing it that way. And then got got a computer that could start importing and editing and that was of course a game changer um and it is so funny because you know just being a step behind the technology most everybody can just do that on their phones right now um but obviously wasn't able to then you know so finally got a computer started editing um when i was about 16 or 17 i got a job as an intern at a local um agency and so kind of got my foot in the door there we we took a tour of it and just to like kind of see what the industry was about there. And after the tour was done, I asked them if I could come shadow and come in. So they said, sure. So I started going to shoots, started helping out. And then uh, flash forward a few years, I graduated high school and they actually offered me a full-time job there. So I ended up kind of already having my foot in the door. And it was right around that time that I was trying to decide if I wanted to go out to film school um, or if I wanted to go full-time for this. So it was sort of like this kind of cool deciding time in my life, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And when they offered me a full-time job, I was like, well, 
like this is kind of what I want to do anyways. And I felt like I could learn on on the job. So I did. So I never actually ended up going to film school for this. Um, just started working there. And they did more commercial work. So that's what I did for quite a few years. And then about uh, that's about four years ago now, I actually left there to go full-time work for myself. Um, at the time I was working there, I started to get a little restless just shooting the commercial stuff and kind of the more traditional nine to five work week. And so I, I, I started shooting music videos and short films on the side and on the weekend and it started to fill up and that stuff was getting way more exciting because, you know, I'd be shooting like hospital orientation videos and stuff during the day. And then the weekend would come and I'd be working with special effects teams and we'd be like lighting people on fire and stuff. And I'm like, what, what am I doing here? Like, this is way more fun. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so kind of jump ship and now I've just been, uh, yeah, kind of growing stuff. Um, just just all for myself at this point for the last few years um making incredible videos <laughs> it's been fun it's been a lot of so fun. cool man so josiah when did exactly did you kind of start shifting into developing your niche you know I'm, I'm sure you like myself you know when you're first beginning i guess as a content creator right like you're just trying everything you're, you're dabbling in everything photo photoshop uh video editing when did you start to really niche down and uh, refine yourself to, you know, what you really do now, directing and, and doing primarily music videos? Yeah, no. So I absolutely was doing a lot of different stuff. I was I was shooting weddings. I was shooting senior photos like, you, you know, how that goes. You're just kind of like figuring out what's fun for you. Yep. And as time kind of progressed um, I, to me, I just think my personality is more um just like energetic and explosive. And like, I, I just wanted yeah, to have that, like high, <laughs> that, like high octane stuff, you know, like that, that was totally. really what, what really excited me. And while I found weddings were very sweet and I always made friends with the couples and all that stuff, I ended up kind of getting bummed out because I would start booking weddings like a year in advance. And this happened multiple times. I would like book a wedding. They're like, Hey, we're getting married next summer in June. And I'd be like, well, technically my calendar is free. So I would accept the job and then lo and behold, like two weeks before that shoot date, I get a call from a label and they're like, yo, we got this band. They can only shoot this weekend. And like, we have this amount of budget and we want to shoot this idea. And I'm sitting here like trying not to cry because I'm like, this is so cool. But I already yeah. booked a wedding a year ago. So I would essentially, I kept getting bummed out because it was so like, it, it wasn't what I wanted to do. Given the two, I would always want to pick the most explosive, more energetic project. And so it was more just eventually me just saying, you know what, I'm just going to double down on the things that I find fun and just trust that the work will start to snowball from there. So it was about like starting to say no a little bit more ahead of time, you know, setting my future self yeah, up for yeah. success, um, which can be hard to do in the moment, right? Because you can look at your calendar and say, oh, there's nothing booked. And so it can be hard not to grab onto like, you know, that immediate like job, but I have been finding that I've been way happier by saying no in the moment and just trusting that no, the work will come. Um, and yeah, so like I, I end up finding that like music videos were a lot of fun for me. Like that 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 has been a blast over the years, kind of growing um, that side of it, just because every project's a little bit different. Yeah, take me through like what you were thinking when you were 
getting ready to leave your job and go full-time freelance. I know you have a family. I know there's a lot of pressure with that. So like, what was your thought process? How scared were you uh, during that time? Yeah. So that's actually a really good question because if I'm being totally honest, I actually, I I waited a little too long. Um, I started to get a little too bitter at my job and being a little too, you know, just, I don't bummed out, you know, like not being excited to go to work. And I know that can rub off on, you know, your employers, like um, also coworkers, you know, and that's just not a good vibe to bring there. Like if I'm kind of coming in like, oh crap, it's Monday. Like this kind of sucks. You know, that's, that's not a good place to be in. So for me it was, but there's the security, right? It's like the guaranteed work, the guaranteed paycheck, the guaranteed healthcare, like that is a thing that's kind of locked in. And so I really fought for a long time. Like, is this, safe? Like, can I make this jump? Do I trust my talent enough to, you know, do I trust that like the right projects are going to come through? Um, and there is a leap of faith. I, I just do not think that there is ever that perfect time because it is impossible to work, you know, full time at one place and then, and then build up your side business to be a full time supplement. There is a bit of like that leap of faith where you're like, you know what? I think it's growing. I think this is a time to do it. And so for me, it was, you know, like I said, I probably held on maybe like a year or so too long, you know, just constantly weighing back and forth. I actually, I actually went the inverse, believe it or not. I actually, for a while said, I'm not shooting anything on the side anymore. So I I, I stopped booking music videos. I stopped booking weddings, like everything. I I cut everything out. Um, for about six months, I was like, you know what, maybe I'm just double booking stuff too much. Maybe, maybe if I just focused on my job, um, maybe I'd be okay with it. And of course, the no surprise, that was <laughs> like the hurt. opposite effect. <laughs> yeah. So that, that ended up crushing me. Um, and, but it was good. I'm actually kind of happy that I did that experiment because it only solidified like where my heart was. And, and it's not that, you know, and I want to clarify too, it's not that my heart is in music videos. My ideas are so much bigger than that, even moving forward. But my heart was like, not in agency work. My heart was not in like the commercial stuff. My heart is really like, no, I want to, I want to, I want to work for myself. I want to grow. I want to be creative. I want to constantly challenge myself and do new things, you know, and I wasn't getting that there. And so that was kind of, for me, the moment of, of like, no, I'm going to go and it's like, it'll happen. Like, I just know it'll happen. You know, if you're motivated about it enough, like I just knew it would grow. It's time for our ad break and our sponsor of the day for today's episode. Thank you, Artlist. If y'all haven't heard of them, it's time you do. I am talking about music licensing made easy. They help you with one single and simple plan starting at $199 for a full year of licensed music. No additional costs, no hidden fees, unbelievable quality. And I'm talking unlimited license for commercial TV, podcasts, YouTube. The list goes on. Sign up today using the link in our bio at Learn Videography or in our show notes and you get two months free added onto your plan. Now get creative. 
So, Josiah, when you're, you know, looking at this career path and making the switch to full time freelancer, uh, maybe you don't have to necessarily disclose a number if you don't feel comfortable. But like what percentage of your income was coming from freelance work at, at this time when when you were debating or you finally made the jump? You know, we've we've kind of talked on the past uh, episodes about when's a good point to kind of make that jump from part-time freelancer to, to full-time would love to know, um, you know, when, when you actually made that jump, where were you at in your career path? Yeah. So that's, that's a really good question too. I, um, when I was about to like, like when I was like, all right, this is time I, I have to leave. I started really doubling down on saying yes to a lot of projects, kind of like booking out a lot to try to get a feel for, how much I really could make. Sure. And summertime is when I left. And summertime for me is usually the busiest. It's when like record labels are pumping out, you know, the most releases and bands are traveling and touring and that sort of stuff. So I, I found that like, for me, summertime would be the biggest flux. And so at that time, when I left running the numbers, I was well over 50% of my salary Jeez. Um, at, at, at the agency and so that to me was like the biggest tell where i was like okay like yeah. there's literally no excuse because i'm like if i can drop my nine to five monday to friday i can now dive in with all this work that i've been doing on the side that's making up about over 50 percent of of my work now i'm saying that because like I said earlier, I waited a little too long i was like literally yeah, working yeah. so long and so hard and it was crazy um so I couldn't, I, I feel like if I could encourage myself, like, you know, in the past, I'd be like, yo, you're making like a third and you're working like you're, you know, you're working an equivalent of like, you know, 15% of what you're working at the agency. Like you can literally quit that and just double down on this, you know? So I think sometimes, you know, if you're working on a side project and a side hustle, it's hard to compare to what you're already doing full time, right? Because you can't commit the exact same amount of time and energy and effort. And so it can maybe seem a little daunting. We're like, well, how could I make this run full time? But I think there is actually once once you're fully available and people know that work starts just piling in. Like people are like, oh, well, as soon as I post it online, hey, I'm full time freelance. I start getting way more emails and calls from <laughs> people because awesome. they're like, oh, like I thought this was just a side hustle, but like we've, you know, we've been wanting to work with you, like all this stuff. So, um, it works you know, really well. I, I gotta say though, I think you're a special case because one, you're insanely talented. Like hands <laughs> down, you are insanely talented. You can do so much with so little. So it's hard f for everyone to to have that understanding, right? Um, but also, you, you know, like you've been doing this professionally for a while. Uh, you, you know, you've been making real projects for a while and you started to get your name out there. And so you had so much of a foundation built uh, to kind of expedite this process for you. I think a lot of our listeners are not quite there in the sense that, you know, they may have two or three clients that they feel comfortable with in their servicing, but they just don't know how to get those like more clients and so it wouldn't be as easy for hey i'm i'm available on instagram and facebook for them because they just they weren't at where you were at so i think one it's like you're just so talented i think you work for everything you got but it's like 
it goes to show that if you continue to hustle, you continue to make great work, you continue to be super public about everything you're doing, you get your work out there, that when it is time for you, like your schedule opens up and whatnot, there was a lot of great opportunity. But it took you a while to get to that point. It did. It absolutely did. And I don't, I, I would never go back and not work at the agency. You know, th- those years were so formative to me. You know, ultimately it wasn't my, like my forever story, but that, like that time there, I learned so much about client interaction. I learned like really valuable lessons about not taking uh, like client feedback personally on how to hit deadlines and how to work with budgets. Like there were huge things about you know, uh, e- even pitches. Yeah. Like I had, to, I had to go in yeah. and help help pitch yeah. things to, to groups of, you know, guys that were three times my age, you know, at the time. And like, it was really, that they were that was so important and so valuable. So when I, when I left, like, you know, now I can attribute so much of the way I can interact with clients now to the time that I spent there. So I definitely wouldn't mm-hmm. discredit like getting to work hands-on in the field was so formative for like, learning so much about this craft totally so you're in a small market you know you're in rochester new york which is my hometown shout out to rochester (laughs) but you know it's it's not that huge of a market you know and a lot of people say hey you got to be in la you got to be in new york uh, especially in the music video where you're working with labels but you're making it happen in rochester talk to us about how you started to find these connections how you started to get these bigger videos in a market like rochester yeah, so you know that that has that was always kind of like the step two thing for me was like step one, leave the agency. Step two, move to LA. You know, it was like it was kind of like always that that you know in my head at the time was always like, yeah, this is what we're doing. You know, um, but realistically speaking, I haven't found like a significant need to yet, and I I, I say yet because you know who knows where life is going to take you, right? But yeah. as far as like for me, I haven't found like. I'm my, my work play is full. I I've been able to, um, collaborate with a lot of really cool people out here and I do travel a decent amount for my work. So being able to have a home base here in this area hasn't been as rough as you might think. It's like, I'm here, but like sometimes I'll fly out to, you know, Orlando or I'll drive to Ohio or Pennsylvania. You know, I, I fly out, I drive out, like I'm able to like still go out you know, to, to, to shoot these videos, um, or have artists fly out here. Um, one thing that's been, that I found that's been amazing to be out in this area is that, um, like I have access because I grew up here, I just have a lot of connections. So I have a lot of like local resources, a lot of friends that are really like vying for me. And, and I know a lot of different people that have big properties. My parents have like, you know, like 60 acres out here with a bunch of woods, um, where I shoot like tons of stuff. Um, you know, I, I'm friends with just a lot of people around here. So when I want to pull together teams for stuff or ask favors, it's very easy for me to do so. Um, there are a couple of, of really good um, rental houses out here too. So I'm not limited by gear. You know, I can still grab Ari's when I need them. And like, you know, I, it's a, it really, I, I don't feel super um, as limited as you, as you might think. There's not as much going on as far as like, hype you know around the city it's more agency work and marketing work as a whole as far as creatives are out here um but a lot of a lot of artists like traveling out out this way or i have no trouble you know traveling out to where they are um but i I like i like i like pulling from the area i mean we do have pretty nasty winters which which suck but um you know we have plenty of warehouse space out here 
there's actually like Kodak is out here, you know, everybody knows Kodak. And so there are just tons of empty Kodak buildings everywhere. So I've done tons of shoots in them. They, they offer like a lot of cool areas for filming that are really, really neat. So um, there's just some really unique And how stuff affordable, like for like a warehouse, you know, like filming at Kodak warehouse, like oh my what's a day rate run? You know? Right. So like some of the warehouses that like, I'm talking like, you could park a semi truck in this thing. I mean, like massive <laughs> warehouses and you'll drop maybe like 800 bucks to have it for like, you know, an entire day. Damn. So yeah, it's just see like yeah. in Los Angeles, <laughs> that's two, two to four grand, yeah. you know? Yes. And like, I think Kyle, sorry, I want to just hop on this a little bit more. I, I think Rochester, sure. Like there's a lot of things that go against you, but there's also a lot of things that go with a small city, which is like, you know, in Rochester, you can pretty much film anywhere. Like it's so film friendly. You don't need really a lot of permits. You could just get out there and make it happen. And everyone's excited to see you. Everyone's welcoming you into their arms and say, how can I help? But in LA, it's like, no, where's the money? You're not coming here unless you have a permit. You're going you're gonna to pay me $2,000. Like they, they're so used to filming that it's just so much more expensive to film because they know that they can make money from it. And there's so many rules in place, whereas small towns, they don't quite have that. And so there's there's a lot of advantages to be in there and and to use those resources to your advantage. So here's, here's actually a really good example. I just shot a music video like right before COVID hit for a big band. We, you know, we just released a video, got over a million views. So like, you know, a big substa- substantial band, we, f- we needed like an old... Uh, I wanted like an abandoned like office building, like an office setting for the shoot. So I I had a one of my friends help me search around, blah, blah, blah. He made some phone calls. We got this old um, abandoned frontier call center that that they were going to let us film in. He made a connection with this guy. This guy was like, wait, what are you going to do in there? And we're like, oh, we want to shoot like a music video. He's like, a music video? He's like, you mind if I come by and watch? He's like, that sounds cool. And we were like, yeah, sure. So he came in. Unlocked the doors for us, got us in, just want to make sure I was insured. I was. We filmed all day in there. He just came in, took some photos because he thought it was cool. Never charges a dime for the whole thing. Like for this, I mean, it was a whole huge abandoned office. We were like, we were, you know, smashing office supplies all over the place. We were making like this big big bombastic (laughs) video. And like literally it was free. And like, and that happens more times than you might think, because like what JJ was saying, nobody's thinking like, oh, this is the film business. Like everybody has money. They're just like, oh, this is rad. Nobody's trying a music video around here. This is cool. Like, so you kind of have like a little bit of an edge where you're just like, yo, we're doing this fun thing. Do you want to be a part of it? And most people are like super down for that. <laughs> yeah, that's so refreshing to me coming from LA. So, <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of like uh, the, it's like mother is the the or necessity is the mother of creativity and invention, right? It's like yeah. uh, when when you're forced to to work with a smaller crew or smaller town, smaller budgets, you sometimes can kind of make even better projects because you're kind of forced to creatively problem solve. How how much of that has been uh been a role in your just overall, I guess, production workflow being in Rochester, you know, how much are you having to creatively problem solve um, in regards to making a cool creative concept work within a more minimal budget? And can you maybe share some insights or tips you have on, you know, making these connections, finding these resources to get access to a random abandoned warehouse or, um, you know, a a, a old office space? Uh, Just talk a little bit more about that. 
Yeah. Costumes as well. Yeah, costumes. So, I mean, actually, so that short film that we were talking about, The uh, Trespass, it's like a Civil War era, like horror film that I made. Um, that's a really good Which example. won you best film for Jacob Owen's Halloween contest last year. Yeah. Let's just fun. say that. <laughs> there you go. I was just, I was just stoked that people saw it and like cared, you know, so often you make stuff that nobody sees, you know, you just kind of put it out because you think it's cool. So it's just fun to kind of be on the opposite side of that. We're like, oh, a lot of people are seeing this. This is fun. So, um, yes, sir. So that one kind of encapsulates a lot of what we're talking about right now, because that was a personal project for me. So it was just about pulling on personal resources, personal like favors and that sort of stuff and problem solving. So one thing that we don't have out here in Rochester is like a really good setup for stunt work. Like we don't really have stunt teams or like, you know, action teams and crash mats and like all this stuff because it's just not really the market for it out here. So there's not a ton of resources for that stuff. So anytime there's been like stunts involved with stuff, it's been me just trying to troubleshoot and figure out solutions by myself. Um, Hanging a rope from a tree. And so that's <laughs> literally what we did. So that is 100%. At the end of the short film, I knew I wanted to have the monster, you know, grab one of our main characters and yank him into the woods. Because I knew we'd be painting in digitally the monster. But anytime you can have real practical effects like also merging with it, it's going to help sell the visual effect as a whole. So I knew I want to have this guy standing, you know, a few feet outside of this forest line and have him grabbed and yanked really aggressively into the forest. Um, we didn't have the proper cables or anything to make this happen, but I was like, you know what we can do? I was like, there's a couple of big trees up here. So we went up the day before we put some two by sixes. I drilled some two by sixes up, up high in, in the tree line, um, took, uh, you know, actually took like a, some rope, uh, climbing rope and we threaded it, um, over, over the boards. And then we had, uh, my main character actually wear, uh, just a safety harness, like ones you can buy at Lowe's literally like a, you know, like a $80 safety harness for when you're painting or doing roofing. Um, and so he wore that under his costume we cut a small slit in the back of his shirt and I fed the, the hook through the back of his, uh, through the back of his cloak. So he was already rigged up and safe, safe there. And the trick with the short film was that it was all done in one take. So when the camera pans off of him, one of uh, my brothers came running out and clipped him in to this, uh, clipped him into the rope and then ran back out of frame, climbed up a ladder. And then I yelled three, two, one action. And my brother jumped off the ladder holding the rope. And it literally just yanked uh, my actor and my friend. Oh my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally crazy. yanked it like 20 feet off his feet, just like straight back into the woods. It was like oh so my God. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is incredible. I got to ask Josiah, um, with that being said, you know, would love to know when do you decipher how do you decipher when to go or how far to go like above and beyond with an artist or with a project so again let's let's play like a random scenario here right like you've got like a a two thousand dollar budget and let's say the artists you know what they're asking for or what they want to create you know in your mind would cost four thousand five thousand dollars how far do you kind of push past that budget go above and beyond to win that client over to have them coming back time and time again, or, or to make sure that, you know, maybe this is a video that really, really is going to sit on that reel and really sell you to, to future uh, clients. Yeah. Yeah. That that's awesome. Um, you know, 
Honestly, when I, you know, you're asking that question, I'm thinking back through so many of the projects that I've done recently over the last few years. And the answer to that is pretty much every project. I mean, pretty much every project <laughs> that it. I do. <laughs> I, I mean, this, this probably sounds like the, like the, like the douchiest thing. Like I do it for everyone, man. But like, I, I just, <laughs> at the end of the day, like I, I'm at a point where it's really important for me that people, you know, it's, it's that saying, right. You're only as good as your last project, but to some degree, I feel like I want people to see, I want clients to see, and I want to do it for myself. Like I want everything that I'm working on to be really cool. Like I want it to be really awesome. It is so rare for me to go into a project and just be like, oh, I'm just doing a paint by numbers because for me, <laughs> I'm always, I'm always putting so much of myself into these projects that why yeah, wouldn't yeah. I? I, and I can't help myself because I also know like visual effects stuff to some degree, you know, I can't help myself. I'm like, well, this shot would be cooler if we just did a sky replacement. Then what am I going to do? Not just do it. Put a whole CGI monster yeah, right? in there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's like, oh, and that's the thing with that CGI stuff. Like, you know, a lot of people will, look at my demo reel or see some of the music videos where I've had like animated creatures and monsters in there and stuff like I, the bands didn't pay for that, you know, and they even know that like me saying that they're not going to be like offended. They know that I basically gave them this, you know, this extra yeah. spice because it is so expensive. Like it's, it's so time consuming. It's so expensive um, to make those things happen. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, if I get a really fun idea or if a band comes to me and has a cool idea that I get passionate about, like, why wouldn't I want to see this being pulled off as a 10 out of 10? Like the worst thing for me is to get on a conversation with somebody and be like, Hey, do you, you know, show them a video. And they'd be like, Oh yeah, it's pretty cool. And then I'm like, yeah, it's kind of a five out of 10 video. Like this is what we could have done to make it a 10 out of 10 video. Like <laughs> why, why couldn't I just show them the 10 out of 10 video? And they're like, Oh my yeah. God, this is amazing. So for me trying to really be proud of the work that I'm putting out is big. Um, so I, I really do try to, you know, with most, with most of them. All right. So why don't we get into how you run your business? You know, like the workflow that you started to build out for this. I, I assume you're just a one person, you know, owner operator at this time. Yes. Right. Yep. Great. So then I assume that you probably have some helpful resources, maybe producers, line producers, people to help you organize stuff once you have a job that comes up. Right. Um, not always. Okay. <laughs> Some of the stuff I'm actually doing, doing a lot myself, uh, the producing side okay. of things too. Okay. So let's say you get a, a call from like a label, say they have like a $5,000 video in Rochester for you. Like, what does that process look like for you to get up and running with this client? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's always first off, um, you know, trying to get on a phone call or video chat with yeah. the, the label and the band, you know, try to get a feel for them. Um, I'm at a place too, where it's, it's as important for me to feel like I really want to work with this artist as it is for them. Um, I'm getting a little pickier as things go on. Um, just cause like, I want it to be really, you know, I want it to be a fun process. I want to feel like I'm being respected and, um, trusted with a project. You know, I don't want to be you know, micromanage through the whole thing. You know, it's like, yeah. hey, if you if you like my demo reel, if you like my work and want to work with me, the stuff you're seeing is the stuff that I've made. You know, so it's like, so yeah. trust let my me process. Work. Let yeah. me work. You know, <laughs> let me do my thing. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so you know, w once we establish that, and we establish, you know, like, hey, I think this is going to be fun. Then we start working on the the concept, and I love to be part of the concept. I, I actually don't love it when an artist comes to me and they already have, you know, like a whole written out document of everything they want. Cause I feel a little 
a little bit like I'm just a button pusher at that point. It's like, I want to be mm -hmm. integral. And this kind of bounces back to even a question you were asking earlier about like costumes and stuff like that, because there's a lot of resources that I have in my back pocket that a lot of people don't know about, you know? So it's like, even something like we did the civil war era shoot, like I didn't pay anything for that because I have a buddy who's in civil war reenactment. So like he had a ton of stuff and a ton of connections for everything we needed for costuming and set design that I was able to just bring in. Cause he was a friend on the mm -hmm. outside of that, you know, like if I didn't have that connection, I would have had to rent and buy everything that I would have needed. And that yeah. would have jacked up the price. So whenever I can get in on creative early on with a client, it's amazing because I can be like, Hey guys, just so you know, like I do have this huge warehouse available that costs us 500 bucks and they'll let us dump water everywhere. So we could do this big rain thing or something, you know? So it's like mm -hmm. having that like already in my back pocket makes it amazing to come up with the concepts. Um, and once we kind of mm -hmm. have those locked in, um, hold on, let me stop oh, yeah. you there quick. When, you, <laughs> when you're bouncing these ideas, this vision with your clients, are you using any kind of tools to help you portray, you know, what you're thinking, what you're, you're writing, you know, what does that back and forth look like for you and your clients? Yeah, yeah, perfect. So I use Photoshop a ton for compiling stuff. Um, I'm, I'm also like an, an artist, so I like to draw. Um, I have like a Wacom tablet that I can plug into my computer so I can use the pen tool on there and, and sketch out stuff, draw out stuff. So I love to give people a really good accurate representation of what they're going to see. So a lot of times I'll do stuff like, like just straight mood boards. So I'll go to, to Bing or Google images and pull off just images that I think kind of match the tonality and feeling, whether that's movie clips or just other people's photos. You know, if I'm trying to build out kind of this mood board and a lookbook uh, to kind of show what the tonality is. But then when it comes to specifics, like, hey, I think your set should look like this. Um, then I'll start actually building out custom designs in Photoshop. So I'll open up a document and I'll pull in photos of like, you know, like let's say I want to build a set in a warehouse. I'll literally find a photo of a warehouse or use a photo that I've taken of the warehouse um, that we're actually going to be filming in. I'll pull it in Photoshop and then I'll start drawing right over top of it. So I can literally draw out all the different elements and where I think people will stand and the scale of everything. And so that's a very quick and easy way to send that back and forth um, to the client and they can get a doesn't sound quick and easy <laughs> <laughs> uh, um like in your mood board what are you including like is it just like 10 pages of just pictures or is there descriptions like what kind of detail are you getting into at this stage yeah so i i love um doing mini descriptions um so i'll do so like a typical mood board, let's say I was going to send it over, probably only be like two or three pages. My, my treatments are never very long. Um, they're always pretty succinct um, because I want people to be able to just like quickly look at them, quickly understand what it's about. And so I'll, I'll throw maybe like a compilation on one page that's just, that's just photos. So it's just a bunch of photos. Um, okay. that kind of show off like the color tone and like, if it's like, Oh, we want to do a lot with silhouettes. So I'll find a lot of cool silhouette shots that match kind of the feeling that I want. And then on the second page, I'll do a few more very specific images and then I'll do descriptions beside them calling out the very specific thing in that image that I'm going to be attacking. So I might be like in one image is like, okay, you can see here that there is a really strong silhouette given by the sun like we want to shoot a lot of this directly into the sun. So it's like a natural silhouette. Then on the second image might be like, and you can see here in this one where, you, you know, there's a lot of green tonalities and like we want to push a lot of green hues into this project. And then on the third image, it could be something like, and for the band performances, we want to do something a little more 
uh, a little different. So maybe the band members are turned away from us and not directly at the camera. So I'll find like a shot of somebody, you know, their backs to us, you know, so then, mm-hmm. then there's like, it's very specific call out. So people can have something very specific to latch onto. Um, and then I'll usually have like a page that is just a write up and say, Hey, here's the, f-. you know, for me, it's so much about the feeling of a project and not the specifics of a project in the sense that it's actually very rare for me to time code right out what I want to have happen in a, in a music video. Um, I know a lot yeah, of creatives yeah. are like, hey, at, at two minutes and 13 seconds, this is going to happen in the music video. That's really not my process at all because I feel like, you know, for me, it's a little more organic. I want to have a good game plan going into it, but I'm more set on like, what does this project feel like? And then we find that feeling through the shoot and then we find that feeling through the edit. So for me, it's like when Mm -hmm. I'm writing up the treatment, I'm really not calling out specific times. Like I can't think of any time that I have really over the last few years called out specific time codes on anything in the song. I'm literally just like, hey, we want to take viewers on a journey where the video starts off a little bit darker and slowly gets brighter or, or, you know, it starts off calmer and gets more exciting or when the breakdown hits because i do a lot of more aggressive music it's like when the breakdown hits that's when stuff hits the fan and we're gonna like actually start shattering stuff and like it's gonna get aggressive and that's when this is gonna happen so like i'm kind of building this like almost like a mood board of thoughts where you're like telling people like how it's gonna feel like when the viewer is done with the music video i want them to feel this i want them to feel like confused like what was that story that that made me feel weird or like i want them to feel hopeful or i want so like that's kind of what i want to push more so than like very specifics because i don't really want to i hate locking myself in and part of why i like working for myself is i don't feel locked in to any particular mm-hmm. attack, you know, it's just kind of like, like, let's kind of let the, the, the feeling of the project, you know, just kind of like organically, you know, evolve. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we've talked about on later podcasts is uh, if you're able to do this process and really visualize this stuff with your clients early on, it helps you so much more in post when you deliver that final project, they already have such a good understanding of creatively where it's coming from. And you two are already more eye to eye at that point. Do you see that as being true? Or, or do you still see, uh, you know, things where along the creative process or the, the cuts or the edits where it's like, no, this we weren't uh, uh, connecting here? Yeah, I think it's really imperative to be to have a good line of communication ahead of the shoot. So you all know what you're doing. It can be something even as simple as like sometimes earlier on, there would be a disconnect with, say you have your performance, the band performance, and you have your storyline, right? So sometimes I would deliver a cut earlier on in, in my career doing this. And the band would be like, ah, we were hoping to see like, you know, 30% performance and 70% story and then for me i'm like well i actually kind of shot the opposite i spent way more time shooting performance and way less time shooting story so now the edit is going to kind of suffer so even stuff like that moving into it that's just a very straight up question that i ask i'm like are you seeing this more as a performance or more as a storyline like that alone can help dictate how you're going to shoot the entire project so i think having clear lines of communication really help um i also think having you know artists over time that can really learn to just trust your process is really cool because sometimes it's nice to like, I I have clients that will, you know, just tell me rough ideas of what they want. And then they kind of just trust me to pull it off what I think would look really cool. And that's of course a really great place to be in because you have a lot of creative control, but 
I think not surprising them unless it's a good surprise. You know, sometimes I'll like paint stuff out or do a little visual effects thing. And that's like a happy surprise. Like, Oh dude, like, you know, you added fire on that. That's pretty sweet. You know, like, (laughs) so sometimes I'll get inspired in the edit and I'll just like add stuff. Um, but for the most part, I think no surprises is the best way to go. Yeah, totally agree there. Um, and Josiah, I want to talk about just overall client management a bit as well, you know, especially being predominantly kind of this one man band role, there's a lot you have to remember, oversee, watch, manage, produce, etc. So how do you make sure that you're properly and effectively, you know, managing your clients, checking back in after, you know, two months of doing, uh, having completed a project, um, making sure you meet the deadline for the deliverables, etc. Do you have some, like specific yeah. platforms or how do you how do you manage these relationships? Yeah, no, that's that's great. I mean, for the nitty gritty like back end of stuff, I use the QuickBooks self-employed. Um, I love how easy that interface is to keep track of invoicing so stuff doesn't get delayed there. I can keep track of miles on there. I can keep track of expenses. So for like just the back end kind of like business side of stuff, which of course as a creative is your least favorite part of, <laughs> of the business. Um, but that, that really helps organize everything for me really well for that. Um, I, I use Dropbox for all my deliverables um, and for just um, backing up stuff if I'm out traveling because I have like the pro account so you can do like two terabytes, you know, so it's really easy if I'm out traveling and I want to throw something on the cloud for safety um, works really well. Um, you can even like do fill in signs right there, like right on the app. So I'll do that for like, um, even releases for like talent releases. I can do it right just from my Dropbox app. People can just sign it and fill it right there. Makes that really easy. Um, and then for organizing and keeping track of projects, I use, um, Google. So I'll use like their Google spreadsheets and it's really easy for me to just make, you know, I'm not really good at like Excel or anything like that, but you don't have to do anything overly fancy with it. I, I just have lines that house the different projects and where they stand, when the deadlines are, um, what their budget is, um, and just random ideas that I might have that I want to attack with it. I try to keep everything pr- pr- like as small as possible. I, I'm all about efficiency. I've, you know, I've done shoots. I mean, certainly when I was back at the agency days and even so shooting some bigger music videos, I've done the whole like, Hey, you've got 20 crew out here, like help them pull this off. But like at the end of the day, sometimes I can just be more of a headache, you know? So I really like to work with smaller crews. So I try to, you know, try to make my ideas stay nice and concise. And because I'm wearing so many hats, I am producing along with this and I have to keep track of all the back end. you know, managing just tons of people isn't always a smart option either. So yeah, I use, I use Google to keep track of all that and all my contacts and stuff. So, um, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I think those are some of the biggest resources that are very cost effective, affordable, and that you can hack together to make your own workflow work for you. Yeah. You know, I actually, the, the, um, the other one that I use like, like a lot is just straight up Apple notes. Um, it's so robust. It's crazy. So like, you know, being able to sync between my phone and my laptop, being able to add other collaborators. So if I have other creative people I'm meeting with on the projects, it's so easy to like throw my treatments in there throw notes in there, throw links in there. I can throw the songs in there um, and everybody can have access to it is like a really, really easy way to, to share stuff. That's it's completely free. So that's, that's another big addition. 
Yeah. How about like just keeping in touch with your clients? Is that just something you manually do and you're just on yourself about or do you set reminders? Do you set follow ups? Like how does that work? So that's one area that I don't really do anything that's like, like automated like that. Like I don't I don't really do any um, like follow up stuff. I have I have um, a few return clients that I'm just kind of always staying busy with. Um, but I enough has snowballed at this point that like one project kind of leads to the next. I haven't really followed. I have, I don't really have a good system in place where I do a lot of follow-ups with, with people. Cause I haven't really needed it at this point. Mm-hmm. Do you think, or first, do you have a newsletter that you send out to your clients that like includes your recent work? No, I don't No, I, do you, I just have do a you website. Think that'd be advantageous to you. Um, for me, for the stuff that I do, um, it's okay. I should phrase it this way. The way I look at it is right now, my best portfolio is, is running and channeling everything through my Instagram account. Like that's why I feel like I'm the most up to date and people see my work the most. Most of my work at this point comes through Instagram and through recommendations that people see through there. I also have a website that I keep updated um, with mm-hmm. some of some of my recent work, um, but I don't ever link that out to people. Um, I really rely on at this point Instagram and and Twitter. People will tag me on as well um, when people are looking for recommendations. But um, I get most of my my DMs through Instagram, and it's an ever evolving portfolio piece, which is what I really mm-hmm. like about it. People can always see your newest work. You can always see you working. And one thing that I that I found is really cool is and i've i've seen a really big return on it is this is kind of strange but like i have gotten hired on jobs based off of behind the scenes work that i've posted and Mm -hmm. because i've tried to approach behind the scenes work as almost art in of itself so if you look through my instagram like pretty much recently like this year i've really dived down into trying to be like obviously post behind the scenes, but like make those like mini art pieces in of themselves. So like I'll do like really cool edits with them or I'll do unique edits with them where I'll do after effects stuff over top of the behind the scenes stuff. So people are still seeing representations of my skill, but also seeing like behind the scenes of like a cool looking project. So nice, I, nice. I've, I've been yeah. trying to approach most stuff that I do as like attack it like a like a creative thing not just like a post like hey here's me with a camera it's like no like how can i make this interesting yeah this is it's your brand you know everything that you put out there you just need to have that brand represented you know do you think with the behind the scenes work is it just because that other people can see the professionalism the everything that you bring to that project that leads to those new clients or is there another reason why this behind the scenes work may lead to new clients for you so i think um I think one thing purely is just I try to make stuff look like a lot of fun because it is a lot of fun. Some of these projects are just a blast. Like we, we're doing crazy stuff. Like and so to me, it's like trying to replicate that hype of what it feels like to be on set. And it's like these are just really cool projects and who wouldn't want to be involved with it? I think also showing a little bit of the magic of before and afters is really cool. Like people can see like, oh, my gosh, like I had no idea that you painted this out or did this VFX or whatever. Like, you know, sometimes it's integrated well enough. You know, there's, I always talk about there's like, there's like in your face visual effects and then there's hidden visual effects. People know the monster you put in isn't real, but they might not know that like you painted out these ropes or you did a sky replacement or you, you know, you, you know, there's all those sorts of little like hidden ones that once you can start like showcasing some of that is kind of fun and people kind of, kind of gravitate towards that. Um, and I think, 
being open about the process has been really fun. I, I love showcasing how minimal um, we can be and achieve some of these big uh, final mm-hmm. projects. That's like, it's almost like a, that's almost like part of the fun for me is be like, Hey, yeah, there were only three of us on crew here. Like this was a small thing. Yeah. We only shot it on a Sony, like let's go, you know? And it's like, but being able to like showcase that and then people see the final product, like, Oh my gosh, like that's really cool. You know, like yeah. some of the best compliments I got were people like, you know, like commenting, you know, and just being like, Oh yeah, it must be nice. If you're like, you know, shooting on a red and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, actually, this was a low budget project. We just shot this on a Sony, you know, it's like anybody could do this, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> so, you know, and, and I think, I think, um, that's one of the things, you know, you do have to be, um, just conscious about is like, I think a lot of times it can be fun to like gear flex and like try to post a lot about, you know, like what you're ro- rolling with. But like at the end of the day, it really should just be the final product, you know, and, and different things require different gear to pull it off different tools. Yeah. And you know, for the most part, I mean, I know you on the bigger projects just direct, but you also shoot, you also edit, you know, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So you have, you know, some kind of, you know, camera setup that you rock with for your own stuff, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So I, I have, I, I, I have my own, you know, Sony a seven is what I shoot most of my stuff on. If I'm just doing like a sm- small, like run and gone that I'm filming myself. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause they do, I still do like smaller projects. And like I said, sometimes even the bigger projects, they just don't call for like a huge loadout. You know, it's like sometimes yeah, you can yeah. just keep it smaller. And I think one thing that I do um, like about shooting myself, I, I'm about 50, 50% right now, 50% I hire somebody and 50% I shoot. Um, I, I, there's benefits to each whenever I can just shoot myself, you know, it's one less thing to have to describe. I can just be like, Hey, this is a cool shot. And I just grab it or like, Hey, let's do mm-hmm. the setup and we grab it. I don't have to describe what it is that I want. And especially for visual effects stuff, I know in my head what's going to be easy to track or paint out or roto or, you know, so like for me, if I'm manning the camera, it's a lot easier to just talk with myself and be like, oh, let's get a clean plate here. This will be a lot easier to to do, you know, for the effects. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas if I'm working with somebody else, I have to actually have that conversation and explain what we're doing later. Um, So, but on the inverse, having somebody hired to be a DP is huge because, you know, the shoot I just did, you know, two days ago, I had a DP and it's massive because then I can just focus on talking to the client and um, we were, we were, and and with talent and and directing, you know, so it was, so that's big. So, yeah. What do you think? I'll go for it, Kyle. Uh, yeah, no, I was just going to build off of that, you know, talking about, you know, being able to hire other people, looking at finding resources, being in an area that isn't, you know, the the prime of, of you know, just media work like L.A. or New York City itself, you know, being in a smaller area. What resources do you utilize when you're seeking to hire out other other, um, you know, crew members, whether that be uh, someone to DP, a line producer, a, a, you know, a boom up or et cetera? You know, what, what are your favorite resources and means by which, you know, to, to allocate um, and find these other positions and fill them? Yeah. So what's been kind of cool is that I have been doing this for a while. So I feel like this would be a little bit trickier if somebody's just first getting their foot in the door, but I'm in a position now where enough people know what I'm, what I do. And I have built up, um, some connections that for instance, let's say I need, I want a female actress, you know, who's in her thirties. I already know quite a few actors and actresses 
around that age that I can one, reach out to or say, do you have recommendations? So it can kind of like spider web out from there. Um, there are some casting agencies out here. So I have utilized just straight up, just paying fees for, for a casting agent to, to help me land roles. Um, so I do do that. Um, a lot of times, I mean, oh my goodness, I've filled out full like crews and acting just purely by posting on like an Instagram story and just being like, Hey, I have a shoot, you know, in two weeks, I'm looking for these actors or these models and I'm looking for somebody to run sound or something, you know? And it's like, and people just start, start hitting you up. And I think that's everything too, is you don't fully realize how many people, you know, it's not like I have some like mega following hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Like it's, it's tiny you know it's like i'm not even like this mega creator but there's a lot of people that follow you because they're interested in what you do and they want to work with you and they want to collaborate and they want to feel like they're a part of like the excitement so i think that when you post that you actually need help with stuff a lot of people really really are like i'll get messages be like hey here's you know here's this person here's this person so that that seems to work really well posting on facebook same thing just be like hey i'm looking to fill out these roles um I've made some good friends over the years um, in a couple of other states too that we kind of meet up and collaborate, which has been fun. It's a little bit of a hike, I maybe mean, like four or five hours away, like to Ohio, but it's cool to have some crew that are close by that if we need to meet somewhere, they're happy to come out or I can go out there. So, um, where about so, Ohio? Um, so, like out near like Columbus. Is, oh okay yeah, yeah i'm uh i'm originally from cincinnati and uh my my dad's side of the family is from columbus so oh, there very, you go. Familiar. very cool very cool <laughs> so my, now my now we're gonna need, like, oh, now we're gonna need to connect so we'll <laughs> <laughs> yep. yes sir there it is uh, i love it why don't like if there's one thing that you can do to improve your business uh like your the workflow of your business like a tool that you might need or something that you need to get better at what do you think that would be yeah, yeah, that, that's a good question. I mean, from from a very, um, I guess there's two from a very practical standpoint. I think like we can always like I know I can always be better at just straight up saying no. So like turning down projects that I feel like aren't going to be a good fit, and just trusting that other good work will come in to fill the spot. Because you always end up in a place where you have a bigger headache when when you're not honest with yourself, like go with your gut, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, and then uh, the other practicality is really the next biggest push that I'm, that I'm making right now is, is growing passive income. So I, I do, you know, up until like recently, I was pretty much only making work when I was shooting a music video, when I was editing a video, when I was, you know, so it's like very much, if you're not on set, if you're not yeah. editing, you're not making money, if I'm not fulfilling invoices. And then over the last couple of years, I've started doing more on YouTube and more through Instagram to like provide people with like affiliation links and to um, do gear reviews and tutorials and, and visual effects breakdowns and all that sort of stuff. So I've started to grow that side of it. So I will, you know, wake up in the morning and it's like, oh, I got money last night because somebody ordered gear that I linked, you know, like that's kind of a cool place to be in. So for me, like that's what I can improve. Like that's a huge thing for me, like moving forward is like making that a bigger segment of my income so then when stuff like this when COVID hits you don't take as much of a hit you know things can still kind of be rolling through um and then as far as like resources are concerned you know I'm always looking for it's a little it's a little tougher out here in Rochester um because I love when I travel and I can use apps to find crew and to find, you know, shoot locations and that sort of stuff are really, really nice. Um, but out here, it's a little bit more difficult. Um, 
I, you know, probably one thing I could be doing better here is actually just like really diving down in maybe taking some time and like really connecting with a bunch of people on, um, on what locations might be available to me and just making like a big yeah, massive building list, out your resources. You know, my, my own yeah. list pool. You know, it's like, I, I have, I have, I, I've never like dove down into that, like very intentionally, you know, it's just kind of over time. It's like, Oh, this is available. Cool. Let me mark it down, but it might be worth my while to really like focus on that for a bit. Yeah. It's definitely something that I always recommend to any kind of creator in their downtime is just to put together a list of, you know, what you have available to you, their contact information. So when you get that project and say you're really busy, it's just so, so easy to look at your list of resources and start making those connections. And, uh, you know, having that list also helps you from forgetting about those connections yes. and resources as well. Yes. hundred percent. Kyle, you have uh, any thoughts? Yeah, I would, I would love to talk a little bit about um, post-production workflow um, and some of your favorite resources with that. Um, you know, what, what, what's what's your preferred uh, software to edit in? Is it Adobe, uh, you know, Final yeah. Cut, DaVinci? And then we'd love to talk about, you know, adding that that extra little spice to your videos. You know, what do you <laughs> use? What do you use for sound effects? Where do, where do you find um, maybe visual effect elements that you don't custom make yourself maybe you just want to be able to throw something in really really quick right so what are some of your resources you utilize to find these these different little elements that you can add in again to just kind of spicing up the video a bit more yeah yeah no that's that's a really really good question so for post work i do um i do all adobe stuff so premiere uh photoshop and after effects um are pretty much my baby um as far as implementing the whole workflow. I really like how in Premiere I can be editing and I can easily export clips right from there to After Effects, do some effects, and then they'll immediately pop up in, you know, in Premiere, like right Live away. Live with the changes. It. It's yeah. just amazing. It's so amazing. Um, I feel like it just helps. It keeps my workflow really, really fast. Um, practically speaking, like if you're shooting music videos, you're not doing much with sound effects because the songs are provided to you. Um, yeah. But if I am doing sound effects, um, I you know I'll I'll buy stuff when I need them through services like Pond Five is like a really good like online site where you can search for music and sound effects and you can just buy stuff as you need them. Um, you can obviously do subscriptions to like Soundstripe or Epidemic Music and that kind of stuff, and they have sound effects and music um, which are cool, which I use for more of my like commercial work and stuff. Right, right. Um, and then for like 3D elements, um, Turbo Squid is freaking awesome. Like Turbo Squid has like all sorts of like 3D models that you can purchase and then you can modify. Some of them are rigged already so you can like animate monsters and like um, robots and cars and all that sort of stuff. So um, do a lot with that and then you can kind of customize it from there. Um, so those are pretty cool. And... Yeah. And then like for After Effects, like, you know, there's so many plugins, but like the, the big site that houses a lot of them that I use is like AE scripts. Um, so that's, there's just so many plugins on there and you can search for honestly anything. Like if you're like, Hey, I want to add like, you know, animated fire stuff, just search for fire stuff or like, you know, like, so if you want plugins to kind of, kind of help up your, like accelerate your post workflow like that's a really good website um to just add like you know like those extra spice elements you're like okay like i want some like abstract shape stuff you know but i don't want to build it all from hand i want to have like some handles that i can kind of like mess around with that's that's what i use a lot of 
Do those cost money? Yeah. So the AE script stuff does cost. Um, it kind of depends on, I, there's no like set amount of money um, for them. I mean, some, some stuff is like $5. Some stuff can be $200 for plugins. Um, they're always running sales and stuff. So you just can kind of look around, but nothing feels super unobtainable. I've been using their, their After Effects scripts like, like as long as I can remember having After Effects. So like I, I've, you know, you know, if you can afford to drop 20 or 30 bucks, you can get something that's going to be pretty useful in making your video look a little bit sharper. Um, but one thing though, that I, that I definitely would want to stress is like, when it comes to post workflow, like I'm able to do some of these other things because during the shoot, I'm also thinking about them, you know? So it's like kind of having a handle on, like what the, what you can do makes a big difference on like how you shoot something. Because inevitably if you're just like, Oh, I'll just figure out some cool effects later. It's not, <laughs> that doesn't really work because you'll realize like, Oh, I should have shot a clean play or I should have shot this on a tripod. You know, like you, you're not going to know unless you kind of already have an idea of what it is that you want to pull off. Right, so, right. and I always tell people when you're shooting, like even for me, when I'm shooting like some of these visual effects shots, like I shoot it, multiple ways you know i'm like okay in a perfect world i'm gonna do a big camera movement and i'm gonna do this i'm gonna rack focus this is gonna be dope but i also know like that may be really hard to track and it may not work out so let me also get the safe shot let me also do a lockdown shot or let me also do just like a, a subtle movement shot so that way when i get into the edit i you know i can try out my a choice and mm -hmm. if it works, amazing, because that's what I always wanted. But hey, if we have to go to the B choice, at least I have it. And I'm now not completely screwed over. So I think shooting for for that um, or with that in mind is is huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think, you know, we're ready to start wrapping this thing up. Kyle, do you have any finishing thoughts before we kind of, uh, you know, put a put a ribbon on it? Man, I would love to ask a million more questions, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we want to keep this uh, relatively timely for everyone involved. Um, I would just say, yeah, man, any any final um, resources you can think of that you have at your disposal in regards to, um, again, whether that be like a, a, an application for editing or um, a, a resource online that, that utilize, um, you utilize that really helps your workflow. Um, again, whether that's, you know, tech scouts, post-production work, anything like that. Yeah, I'm trying to think. And if not that, kind of just over an overall philosophy of like how you approach tools with the creative process and, you know, how it can be helpful to people that, you know, build out that bigger vision from the beginning. So, you know, kind of what you need to use and the tools that you need to use for that process. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think really for me, like my tools are kind of always migrating and always changing. I think the biggest the biggest thing is to not get like locked in with like a brand loyalty or something like that. It's like, for me, it's always about like, what makes the most sense? What's the most streamlined for me? It's always about, um, I, I don't want to have 20 different apps on my phone that all do one different thing where, you know, I kind of even mentioned it before. It's like with Dropbox, I can do all these different things. I can even sign documents with it. Like for me, it's like, okay, that's one app that can kind of handle a bunch of different things. Um, so for me, and that's, and that's how I am with Adobe even. I'm like, you know, I feel like Adobe is kind of the jack of all trades and I feel like I can do a lot with it. And sure, not, not everything, but I can do a lot with it. And so for me, it's always about trying to find workflows that 
stay the most streamlined. So I don't have to have 50 tabs open on my computer all the time, balancing yeah. and everything, you know, so really like, and I love utilizing uh, free resources. I mean, who doesn't love free? So I think like straight up, just like deep diving into everything that Google has to offer is huge. I mean, between, you know, even just using like their spreadsheets is so huge. It's so big, like how much you can do and keep track of and organize, um, I'll break down budgets that way so I can easily insert, you know, the cost of everything as the budget increases and I can see, you know, uh, an updated uh, total to the cost like in real time as I add or subtract elements to the video. So it's very easy to keep track of like, am I going to make a profit on this video? Um, (laughs) So for me, it's really, you know, trying to keep things simple. I mean, heck, like you don't need some $500 like call sheet program. Go to like freaking callsheet.com and just print out something real quick before you go. Like I I think sometimes we overthink it, especially if you're if you're getting started in this industry or whatever. It's like, at the end of the day, like, yeah, you can go the really high end route or the big complicated route, but like also what's the most efficient? Because for me, you know, you know, this is speaking to other creatives. Like if you're creative like me and you want to be spending as much time as you can shooting and editing and you want as little time doing this other stuff, then don't worry about like beating your head against the wall. Like always trying to have like, you know, oh, I have this huge like producer program or this huge, like, you know, it's like, you don't need to do that just yet, especially if it's not what you love. Like just keep organized, um, typing, you know, keeping just, you know, typing out and writing out what you need. I, I also, this is funny because I know you're talking about like resources. We're all probably thinking about digital resources. Having a notepad next to my computer has like changed my life. Like over like the last couple of years, <laughs> just literally having a physical notepad that can just scribble down quick things on, making quick check boxes on, just ripping out pages or like scribbling over stuff. Like it'll change your life. Literally just go out buy a $2 notepad and a pen and you'll be great. And I also have a whiteboard on my wall that I can like write out very specific, like bigger goals. Like as I enter like different quarters, you know, where I'm like, Oh, like let's, let's attack this. Um, and, and, and so, so I know, like I said, you're probably talking about digital resources, but like having a couple, like just practical things like that, that can help keep your mind clear. Cause as soon as you write stuff down, your mind doesn't have to hold it anymore. And you're able to think about other things. So I always, you know, really advocate for that. Yeah, I think the big thing is to just find what works for you. You know, yeah. find what works for your workflow that makes you comfortable, that helps your creative process. Build out that workflow. Be very intentional about it so you can use it for many more projects and then make it happen. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's so big because some of my best friends who also are at, are shooting similar videos in the same industry and stuff like their workflow is different than mine, you know, and we talk about it. We're like, Oh, that's how you do it. Oh, that's how you do it. That's cool. But like, you don't need to implement that. You know, even everything I'm talking about today, like do what works for you. Like you said, JJ, I think it's really important to, um, find what makes sense for you that you can still stay organized and still deliver, you know, you got to hit your deadlines, you know, and you want to do cool stuff. So you do have to find that balance. Yeah, totally. Josiah, it's been a fantastic episode. Thank you so much for coming on today and dropping all this knowledge for our listeners. Yeah, appreciate you appreciate guys. Appreciate you, Thanks man. For having me on. <laughs> of, of course, you know, for anyone out there that's listening, you can follow Josiah on Instagram at Josiah X. You can follow Learn Videography at Learn Videography and Industry Jump at Industry Jump. You can follow myself, JJ, at JJ Englert and Kyle at Cal Visuals. For our next episode, we'll be diving into booking crews, actors, locations, and everything else you need to supercharge your visuals. But otherwise, that's it for today. Gentlemen, what an excellent episode. 
Thank you so much for coming on, Josiah. Heck yeah. Killed him, man. Appreciate you. Massive knowledge. Go check out his work. Check out his Instagram, his website. You will be blown away. Show some love. Show some love. We'll see you next time, fam. (laughs) 